This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Well, folks, at least the Flyers didn't drop the biggest deuce of the week. That belongs to Odell Beckham Jr. This is Flyperbole. I'm Steve. Oh my goodness, Jesus! I had no idea that was coming, but I like it. Let's let's just keep it. That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't even seen the original story on the Odell Beckham thing, but I just I I know that involves uh involves the Dookie. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, He just likes to play in the mud a little. So I mean, uh, you know, (laughs) teach their own. I don't know. That's. That's neither here nor that. That's not why we're here today, uh, Stephen. But we can. Uh, we'll touch on that later if you want to. We'll do, we'll do a little. Deep I'd rather not touch it. it. Yeah, we don't need to at all. Yeah, well, he would, but we we don't want to at all. Okay, let's just. <laughs> no, <laughs> this we, is... <laughs> we we have come here today. We we're gonna do two this week, and then probably take a little you know one a week break for a bit with the podcasts. Uh, but unfortunately, our Philadelphia Flyers have lost in the Stanley Cup playoffs, a uh, seven-game defeat to the New York Islanders, and we are left sad, alone, and picking up the pieces from this failed, ruined husk of a season. Just a yeah, fiery just, wreck. Yeah, no positives to be had. Uh, just a bunch None. of... dog. Just a dog shit team, dog shit organization, and they haven't brought me joy in decades now. So, uh, you know, fuck them and fuck everybody, I think is the uh, final statement on the 2019-20 season. And I think we're all in agreement. <laughs> there was no positive stories, no... Anybody overcoming a major illness or the team finally winning a playoff series. It's just all doom and gloom. So, uh, you know, fuck you. Fuck everybody. Uh, fuck this podcast. I think that's, that's the, uh, we got it all in there. Dissolve the team and call it yeah, a day. Yeah. Call, it a, call it a life. Wrap it up. It's, yeah. I'm done with <laughs> this shit. Is, I, you know, it, it's, it's incredible. When the season paused, the excitement for the Flyers was the highest I had seen it in Off eight the, years. Yeah. Eight years. And people were really just proud to be Flyers fans again. And after the round robin, same thing. People were pumped about it. And now it the attitude out there, not not everybody, but a lot of people, the attitude is... Some people, yeah. I fucking hate this team. I can't believe I ever... And it's just like, I don't know. I There's a lot of frustrating things about what has happened in this playoffs. And we're going to touch on all of that. But yeah. ultimately where this team came from to to win a playoff round and take uh, the second round of seven games uh to, to actually play some some t- you know not so much in the actual playoffs this year unfortunately but to actually have dominant stretches of hockey and yeah. have a a great goaltender so i mean the emergence of Carter Hart alone is such a positive for this team such a, a great sign moving forward that i don't I, I'm disappointed about how it ended, sure, but I don't feel that bad because I feel good about a lot of the future assets that are coming up, and namely Carter Hart, because as we have discussed on and on and on, the Flyers need a goalie. They have needed a goalie for decades at this point. My entire life, yeah. And if this is the guy, and it really feels like it's the guy right now, then that's a tremendous huge buck box checked for the flyers and i mean between that 
the comeback of Oscar Lindblom, the fact that he got sick, got treatment, and was able to come back and play ice hockey this year is utterly incredible. And just looking at, you know, some of the other storylines that happened on this team, I mean, Kevin Hayes was a signing we all doubted, and he had probably the best playoff performance of any flyer, and maybe besides Carter Hart, but Kevin Hayes was, he really cemented himself as a legitimate number two center for this team. And just a lot of great storylines this year. And people just want to throw it all away because they did not beat the New York Islanders, a matchup that was not good for them, which we said up front, it was not a good matchup for them. Probably the worst second round matchup they could have had. I, again, we, I didn't want to face the Lightning. The Lightning wasn't a great matchup either. But I think that if they played the Bruins, that might have been a, a more competitive series. I and think out of, the, a, yeah. out of the three teams, I think the Bruins would have been like the best matchup. Yeah. We're talking about a series that went seven games too. So it's not... The Flyers yeah. definitely got dominated in a lot of those games. Don't get me wrong. But they still took the Islanders to seven games. And it was... You know, say what you will about the play, but a seven-game series is a seven-game series. And it's not like... The Flyers couldn't have won that last game, although they, you know, definitely did their best not to. Oh, but yeah, they, they tried. Yeah. If that, that game started, you know, if that if they score in that first power play, that game goes completely different. And just not getting that and then getting scored on and then it just all kind of avalanched from there. And it, it was not a good ending, but I'm still proud of this Flyers team. I think they definitely made progress. And, yeah, there's some changes that have to be made for sure, but... They have made progress. They're headed in the right direction. I am very positive about the future of this organization. I am. I am too. And again, the whole thing of a successful season or not, I get the argument of no season is truly successful if you don't win. I think there's still a lot of fucking positives to take away from this season. And you already touched on it. My entire life, we've never had an answer in net. And it feels like this is the first time ever the Flyers actually have their goalie. And we saw it come to light in the playoffs because... The regular season was great, and then it looked like the entire team didn't show up for the postseason, and yet they were still one win away from the Eastern Conference Final. Everything worked against them in the postseason, and they still were almost one of the Final Four teams. That alone, I feel like, should be a positive, because this team, even if they ice the same roster next year, I think they would look better in the postseason, and I got a whole theory on that I'll dive into in a second that Steve's had the joy of listening to a couple times already today, but that... And I think they, I think Fletcher isn't the. We're not going to have to worry about the Hextall angle of Fletcher kind of not doing anything to the roster until it's absolutely proven they need to move some pieces. I think Fletcher is going to be active this offseason, and there are some obvious needs on this team, and I think he might go out and add those. So I think that's just going to get better, and we still do have the prospects in the pipeline. Everybody's tired of hearing that shit, but I really think a lot of the season, a lot of the way this team is built is. They're all positive signs moving forward. And I think this was a, a step towards them winning it all. And I think I think next season from now on, we're looking at, it is, to me, it is cup or bust. I think they are close enough. I think they're getting close enough that they should be adding pieces to go for it. And I know there's a lot of big issues with the, the top end, the highest paid guys equaling out in terms of production and getting value for how much you're paying them. That is a concern, and I think you might be looking at trying to move one or two of those big contracts this offseason. Um, but other than that, I think, I don't know. I, I'm really, I think the season as a whole was a positive. 
and I think they need to keep taking steps forward, and I hope next season is another one. And some of the bigger concerns I have, I think a lot of them can be the... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna lay out the whole conditioning thing now because that's my whole theory. And again, I don't know if I really conveyed that point clearly over the last couple of weeks on here or in Slack or anywhere. But I think the conditioning of the team was a huge factor because we saw in the postseason after four and a month, four month layoff, the Canadians and Islanders skated circles around them because the Canadians and Islanders are naturally faster teams. But in the postseason, it didn't feel like the Flyers were getting skated around as much because I think they were in better conditioning. We heard a lot early on about how. AV's practices were more, more up-tempo and harder than Hacks, and the team was getting in better shape. And then throughout the season, coincidentally, you know, the start of the games where both teams were, had the same amount of energy going into it, the Flyers didn't look that great. But then as the games progressed, the Flyers' conditioning kicked in, and they were skating laps around the teams that were supposed to be quicker than them because the quicker teams just got tired. And then that was my whole thing with why I think the four-month layoff really screwed over the Flyers because that's that disrupted all the conditioning and then it made it every single team in the league go back down to zero in terms of conditioning advantages and when the flyers are equal within a team with conditioning they're going to get fucking skated on all all day long so it's not they still should look better but i think the conditioning was a factor in terms of them looking like shit in the postseason because they were you know every throughout the season it was always the flyers needed a period to figure out their opponent and then the third period they were four checking and shoving the puck down other teams' throats and just living in the offensive zone. And I think a lot of that is because they were in better shape than opponents, not necessarily because the same roster that was too slow last year all of a sudden got faster because you added Matt Niskan and Kevin Hayes, who are not known for as burners. So I think that is a big part of it. And I think next season, if there isn't a huge layoff between the regular season and postseason, the Flyers as a team should look better. That doesn't necessarily explain the the, the production of the high-end guys, but, you know, if you're not exactly getting into the same spots, you're not gaining that edge in timing and space because you're as winning as the opponents, that might explain it a little bit. But I think that is a big part of it. And I think some of the other issues, I mean, is Matt Niskanen good? That's I think that's my big question I'm sitting <laughs> on now. Like, because he, he's going to be here next year and he's going to be a top-end guy. Like, he's going to be a top-pair guy. But if he is postseason Matt Niskanen, I think we have an issue. If he looks like he did during the regular season and he is a guy that, you know, maybe needs to be in better shape to have an advantage on the opponents, then then he's fine. But that's my big issue is Matt Niskanen and also even with the whole rant about conditioning and going to bat for them like that, I still want quicker guys on this team. I've been fucking yelling about burners for years on this podcast. We both have. And, like, I – there are a couple names in free agency. I looked at free agency for five minutes today in terms of guys that are going to be – up for grabs, and I, I can think of a couple bottom six guys I got there, and there's also a, a guy out in Winnipeg that apparently is on the table, and I would throw the kitchen sink at him and put him on the top line with uh, Drew and Couturier, and I think that would make a world of difference, but speed and hoping Niskanen is fine, and then also AV and Fletcher leaning on shitty vets I don't like a lot. Cause that no, takes no. A, that, that is, yeah. Because Thompson and Grant ain't fast. No. And that, that was, was definitely one of the... One of the one of the more concerning factors from the postseason that I think frustrated a lot of people was leaning on those vets like they did Thompson and Grant in particular. And let's be honest, Thompson in particular. And I, I would Thompson. throw Justin I would throw Justin Braun into that mix as well. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it seemed like with all the shuffling in the lineup, but defense, you know, between Ghost and Haig, it just never would 
never even came up reason, as a possibility. Braun, yeah, Braun never came up as a possibility, and Braun looked slow as shit out there. And it huh? could also be, you know, a matter of conditioning, as you said, but Braun was never making plays I mean, where yeah. he was really... Like, I think I called him crafty at one point, and that was the <laughs> thing I could say. That's a way of saying he's slow and old, but can still play decent defense. And he didn't even look crafty for the most part. He just looked very slow and, and old. And yeah. it was very concerning, but for some reason, he just wouldn't come out of the lineup. And Thompson, who his one positive attribute was he was definitely winning faceoffs, and he was the only flyer who really oh, seemed God. to be yeah. winning faceoffs. Something that was a huge advantage for this team throughout the regular season. They just forgot how to do in the postseason. <laughs> Thompson was winning faceoffs, but that was all he was doing. He scored one goal in the nice. round robin, but that guy, every time I saw him in the offensive zone, I just cringed. And, yeah. you know, Grant wasn't that much better. Grant scored a lot of goals in the regular season for, you know, a third, fourth line center, but really did not do much in the postseason. And every time I saw him on the second power play unit, I wanted to scream. Yeah, that's the thing is you you can't have those guys in the lineup because then they are used in like used on special teams too. And I really don't I don't think he was that much of a game changer on the PK or the power play. And he's not he he wasn't a burner and he's not putting up points. And I didn't really feel comfortable throwing him out there in defensive situations. Like and I know that was the argument for Thompson and Thompson for a while. Not for a while. There are a couple games where like his underlying numbers are fine against Barzell. But that's a bet that I don't want to take. Like I don't want to keep going to that well of, well, we can throw Thompson out there against Barzell. No, we cannot. I don't want to I don't want to keep doing that. Like that's not a way to beat speed is by throwing out veteran presence and letting him live in the defensive zone and just you know, coincidentally if he's on the ice and no goals are going in, he's not really doing his job. Like there was Plenty of times they were getting him in their own zone, and it was a miracle that they weren't giving up goals because they have Carter Hart in that. So, like, they got to get away from that shit. Um, and I hope, I hope some of these depth pieces or like some of the young kids they have in the system kind of persuade Fletcher from bringing either of them back. Or if they do, like, the only thing I really would want is Grant at four C. But even then, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm here for Morgan Frost at three C, Scott Lawton at four C kind of deal. And then you utilize Scott Lawton on the PK and stuff. But, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Scott Lawton, too, that would be kind of unfair to him because he's been fine. He did well in the top six this year. But there's I, – I think they got to figure out the bottom two uh, center slots for next season. Uh, and maybe Morgan Frost is an answer in there somewhere. But I uh, – I mean, some of the other stuff. The top end guys, they showed up, but they did not produce – at the rate, like the amount you're paying Drew Voracek and JVR, they did not produce for how much you are paying them. And that is an issue. And I'm, I'm here to hear that argument. And that's a whole thing. And I don't know about, I'm here for trading JVR right now, right this second. And I, I've, I've been batting, going to bat for JVR for a bit, but I mean, we saw it this postseason. He just really doesn't have, if he's not going to be the guy, if he can't be our Anders Lee, where he can just set up like he's working the, you know, um, working down low on, on the, underneath the hoop in basketball and just kind of set up shop and do redirections and dunks right in front, then he's not much of much value on the on offense. He he plays too much to the outside, and he's not going to the net enough. He can be a liability defensively. And, yeah, and that's I'm a, a huge JVR fan, but the fact is the, the current coaching staff does not trust him to be a top nine forward, and when you're making seven mil a year, you need to be a top six forward, really. Yeah. And they don't... They don't even trust him on power play one, which is really where he should be 
he sh- he should be your your beast on power play one. He should be your go to right. guy there. He should be just cleaning up, raking goals in. And if they don't, if the coaching staff doesn't like him and doesn't trust him there, then yes, I am a hundred percent in favor of trading him away. And again, I am a JVR fan, and I I think they should be utilizing him differently, but they're not going to. So there's no point. Yeah, and that that's kind of the thing with Ghost too. Is like I. Yeah, if they clearly are not feeling any way to put Ghost to the lineup, or if they feel very confident in, in playing Hag over them, then I they, they, the they need some cap space. Yeah, like that. I want I want to see them create cap space and add more talent to this roster, and hopefully get some quick ass dudes that also have a lot of skill and play in the lineup. But like, uh, yeah, JVR two goals in twelve games, forty points in sixty six games this season, nineteen of which were goals. Well, I was going to say, my big thing is, like, make sure you're actually adding talent, though, if you're shipping these guys out. Like, I don't want to see another Justin Braun in there. I don't want to see these, you know, I don't want to see low draft picks. Like, actually get a half-decent value for them. Like, I totally understand you're not going to get the value of what you necessarily expect out of a Ghost or JVR in a a best-case scenario, but don't get a Luke Shen level of value for that. Oh God. Yeah. No, you can, yeah, you can still trade away. Like, and honestly, this is a guy that I, one of the guys I've been going about for two for a bunch of years here, Voracek, who honestly had a fine postseason. Like there were times he looked like the best skater out there. And I thought he deserved more ice time. There's still four more years left in that deal for 8.25 million. And he had nine points this, this postseason, 15 games, four goals. And that followed a, a season where it had 56 points and uh, 12 goals in 69 games, a very nice amount of games. So my argument for that would be he was pretty noticeable this postseason. And he was one of the few forwards that actually showed up and played. This might be the one time over the next four years you can move that contract and you're going to need to pay some of these other guys like some money here coming up. And if you're not able to move the JVR contract, I, I think you would look into moving that one as well. Because JVR, I think JVR one way or another is he's not going to be on this roster after next year. I think he's going to be taken by Seattle. Hopefully he's taken by Seattle. Um, but I would look real hard into trading him just because he isn't he isn't a vital part of the top six and he's taken up a lot of cap space. And then Drew, I mean, two more years at 8.275. Eight points in 16 postseason games, one of which was goals. It's just not... I mean, he just didn't produce for how much of a cap hit he has. And I think that is a big problem when you look at other teams' top lines and top sixes and how much they've produced in the postseason and how much they've shown out throughout the year. I think you can point at these three and say you needed more out of them. I think that's a very fair thing. I don't know about running right into they didn't do shit and you have to trade them right away, but I think I think this year, for the sake of cleaning up some cap space to maybe bring in more talent and speed, and locking up a veteran goalie, uh, I think I would look into trading at least a JVR deal. Locking up a veteran goalie, huh? So do you not think do you not think Moose is coming back next year? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't. I mean, I will be fine with Elliot coming back one more year, but and he probably, he probably is fine. But that is a, it's a situation that I think you have to keep an eye on because if he doesn't come back, I don't know. Uh, yeah, here are all the free agent goalies. Uh, Brayden Holpe, Jacob Markstrom, Corey Crawford, Mike Smith, Robin Lehner, Craig Anderson, Aaron Dell, Thomas Grice, Anton Kadobin, Jimmy Howard, Cam Talbot, Laurent Persois, and Louis Domingue. So those are the big names that I saw looking at cap friendly. A bunch of those guys aren't going to be a backup. I think some team's going to throw money at Holpe to be a starter because they still think he's Brayden Holpe and not whatever he's the shell of what he's become. Jacob Markstrom is due for a payday. He just 
played his mind out in Vancouver. I mean, he probably he might stay in Vancouver, but I actually probably not because it might be Demko's team now. Uh, Corey Crawford is probably going to want to be a starter somewhere he goes. Same with Mike Smith. Uh, Robin Lehner is going to be a star wherever he goes. And then some of these other guys, like I don't know if they'll want Craig Anderson to be the backup. Uh, Aaron Dell and Thomas Grice and Anton, Anton Kadobin might be three options I would look at. And also bringing back our buddy uh, Cam Anthony Stolarz Talbot to maybe be the backup too. That could be like the. But if if again, I'm not even sure what the status of Elliot. I'm assuming he would probably want to come back. Sixteen seven four. 899 save percentage, 2.87 GAA, and two shutouts. But he, it felt like he played better this year. You know what I mean? Like It didn't oh, feel definitely. like he had an 899 save percentage. He felt more reliable than that. And he probably, I think he just had some shooting games throughout the year that kind of knocked down those numbers. But I don't want I don't want Alex Lyon to be the guy. I, I don't want them to default into that and save Cavs pace that, that way. But Brian Elliott did make $2 million this year. Um, Thomas Grice probably isn't taking a pay cut, and the Islanders might like what they have. In terms of Varlamov and Grice as a duo, I think I would, especially for the way that the Islanders play. And, well, and I think Barry Trotz has come out and said before he's, he's comfortable throwing either guy in there, especially with his system. Yeah. So I would be very shocked to see Grice depart from there. I, I don't know. I I would be very surprised if Elliot continues playing in the NHL and doesn't come back here if the Flyers offer him a deal. I, I, don't, I think it's a, a pretty beneficial situation all around. Yeah, and, and I mean, Kadobin would be the other guy I was kind of thinking of, but I think I think Dallas, that might be the same thing, where he, he's coming in and he's done his job with Ben Bishop out, so he he might also be looking for another starting role and get more than $2.5 million, which is what he got paid this year. So that, that's one of those concerns, but it, it looks like, yeah, the answer is already right there, and it won't be an issue in case, unless uh, something comes up with that, but... Overall, I don't know. I think there are a lot of positives to take away from there this year. Carter Hart, I think, is the biggest thing you should hang your hat on. And seeing some of the older Flyers fans on Twitter freak the fuck out about this season, I think that's kind of funny because I they finally have a goalie. My entire life, the Flyers have never had a goalie. They've gotten everything else at times. 2003-04 was literally everything else except a goalie. And we saw how that worked out. Now it's the opposite, where the goalie is dragging us through playoff rounds. So next season, or the season after that, or the season after that, or however long Carter is going to be here, if the team starts showing up in the postseason, you're going to have a chance to win every year because you're going to have the team outplaying opponents eventually, unlike this postseason, and they'll be able to win some games for you. And then Carter Hart's going to steal a game or two of the series. So I, that's a positive for me. I think the top two centers, Katori and Hayes, look like locks going forward, and I feel confident with them being the top two centers going forward. I think the penalty kill is finally solved. I, I That was a problem for years, and a big part of that is having a goalie, but I think Hayes is a pretty good penalty killer. And I think the change of personnel as well, you know, going from, you know, Agudis to Niskanen and things like that, I think helped a lot. And then I think a lot of the guys that actually started slotted, slotting into roles that they should have been their entire careers, like Raffle and Law, and it looks like they're actually good death pieces, and I didn't hear the fan base wanting to throw them, you know, off the Walt Whitman. Like, Raffle finally played on the fourth line for a good chunk of this year. And guess what? He fucking thrived in that role. And he worked, and he did well when he moved up and down the lineup, and so did Lawton. Like, those guys are just good Swiss Army knife-like utility players that you just kind of throw out there, and they can work in any, any situation on the winger center. And it seemed like they produced or did pretty well. I mean, Lawton had a stress in the postseason where I guess he just wanted to assist for the other team. But besides that, he <laughs> was fun. Like, he had that string where it was just like, 
horrendous turnover after turnover. But besides that, I thought he was fine. And I think NAK and Fairby are two guys that you win with. I think they're good pieces, good young pieces that should be here for a while. And I think NAK fits perfectly into what they're trying to do in terms of get in on the forecheck and disrupt things on the forecheck and have speed and be physical and everything. I think NAK feels like the ideal bottom six guy to me. And I'm happy that they finally gave him a chance, that he finally got a look because he wasn't getting that look with Hextall and Hextall. And hopefully more of those guys from the Hextall-Hextall area, hopefully more of them are kind of unearthed here going forward and the Flyers might be able to get another piece out of those, uh, out of the, that, uh, that crop of prospects. Also, Sandheim and Myers to me are good. I know they look like shit against the Islanders at times, but they're going to be good defensemen. I think they're ultimately top four defensemen. And I think this postseason may have just been them working at the Kings. So I think this was like a learning experience that they go through. They're not quite rookies, but they're really young defensemen. Like, they're young defensemen that never really they played. Your, yeah. They were your go-to pair throughout the Montreal series and the round robin. So I, yeah. anybody who's giving them shit for one bad round against one of the best coaches in the NHL, uh, you got to check yourself. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's some of the, some of the shit that people are reaching for because they're mad at the flyers is absurd to me. Like trade everybody. Like, don't trade. Okay. Sanheim Myers. You've got a solid defensive future right there. Ivan Provorov, solid defensive future and present right there. Despite, you know, I think his back was hurting from having to carry whoever his partner was, <laughs> yeah, but it, gonna, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, exactly. like, yeah. So, like, but yeah, you're right. Three, I think you have three spots on. Well, you had that Braun game, up. too. Don't forget the Braun game. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, game six, which again, cost by Niskanen. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think they have those three guys. I feel like you should feel confident going forward. And Sandheim and Myers, their big thing, or at least the thing that I felt like they always got burned on this postseason, just got black days going on some board battles. And I know that's an annoying old beat writer thing to say but a lot of these goals they gave up they just didn't pin some dude against the boards and then three seconds later they spun out to the slot and slammed home a dunk so that teams pick up on that they can keep abusing that during a postseason or regular season so they need to work on that or maybe you split them up and bring in i i'm here for bringing another defensive body that actually plays I, i'm looking at brendan Dillon. I, I wouldn't mind adding a guy like that so then, and you, if you keep Niskanen, then you have five out of six guys on the back end that I feel pretty confident playing in any situation. And maybe Brendan Dillon isn't the fastest guy out there, but he suppresses shot like a motherfucker. And if you put him with a guy like Ghost, I feel like that would be a pretty successful pairing. And or if you want to do Hag, but I feel like I feel like Hag. This is this was the best you're gonna get from Hag. Like he he played his role very effectively, and he. Did not give up goals against. I mean, that 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 third pair got pushed around a lot in terms of driving play. They didn't give up goals though. But I I feel like you you can't bank on that performance all the time from him. And I also just want more, just want more out of a player on the roster than just not getting scored on. That's why I'm kind of hesitant about throwing out a Hag, Freeman or Ghost Freeman pairing next year because I think Freeman's going to be a lot of the same. Where I, I feel like his play driving numbers are going to look like shit, and he's going to spend a lot of time in the defensive zone, and I don't. You know, I don't know. I kind of I want to see what Freeman has, but I feel like that third pair might be a little uh, might be a little dicey next season. So that's why maybe a third pair of Dylan Freeman wouldn't be the end of the world. But that's uh, those are those are my general thoughts on the season. So you know, ultimately not a success because they didn't win at all. But I think there are still this has been the season of the most positives I think in a while. And like you said, they, there were stretches during the regular season where they were dominant. 
and there are rolling over teams. And we haven't seen that in a while. Like, in a long... It's been a while since they've actually dominated a team. Like, they actually looked good for stretches throughout the season. See, I personally find the the assessment that a season isn't a success because you didn't win the championship to be very narrow. And it's... I'm not pointing this at you. I'm pointing this at just that, that mindset in general. Like, if yeah. I think back to the, the Eagles under Andy Reid, a lot of people would say the Eagles were not successful under Andy Reid because they didn't win a Super Bowl under Andy Reid. But the fact of the matter is, huh? Andy Reid is considered one of the best Philadelphia Eagles coaches of all time. And he is one of the best Philadelphia Eagles coaches of all time. And those seasons, despite the fact that he lost a number of champion NFC Championship games, uh, were still you know, minor successes or relative successes. And you've got to, I mean, if you see progress, especially when you're building a roster up and trying to make them into a competitor, you have to take those signs as a, 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 a progress as successful seasons. I mean, you do luck out sometimes like the blues or, Hell, you can even throw the Eagles in there because I don't... Yeah. Well, they, actually, I would throw more of the Phillies from 2008 in there. The Phillies in 2008 were a team that were constantly at the door for making the playoffs, but not quite making the playoffs. And then they finally made it in, and they went all the way. And then they were, you know, a favorited team for a few years and didn't get back to that point, Um, uh, didn't get back to a championship. But... You know, they when they got in, they took advantage of it. I think that's what people were hoping for with the Flyers here. But if you look at a progression, this team wasn't quite there yet. They're they're doing a lot better, right? Like they they probably weren't going to win the division if the season had continued like it was supposed to. Yeah. Uh, And when they're at the point where they can win the division and they're the favorites too, then yeah, we can talk all day about like this team being a, a colossal disappointment for not winning the Stanley cup. But I think I, that's a good, I think that's a good point though. The, uh, I think the round Robin kind of did hype up a lot of the casual fans or the people that the Flyers weren't a true top seed. They won three games in August and then they became the top seed in the conference and they should have been, they should have not had home ice or they should have had home ice advantage, but playing the three seed in their own division. So they should have been playing like the Penguins or somebody. And it should have been, that kind of, I think that kind of reset the expectations a little bit higher than what this tree, team truly was. And I think if you look at it like they were going in as the two seed in the Metro and they were playing a series against like the Penguins, I think regardless of the outcome, I think the expectations would have been a little different. Yes. Yeah. And I think, yeah, in a vac, I guess that is true. Like in a vacuum, like it was unsuccessful because they didn't win. But yeah, you're looking big picture. This, it was a step forward, I feel like. I think it was definitely a step forward. Here's the other I, factor. I don't think you can argue that. Here's the other huge factor that I think we forget about a lot, even though it's right there in front of us, but it's very easy to forget. These guys had to leave their entire home life behind uh, and go play in this bubble and leave their families behind. A lot of them have little babies at home. Claude Giroux, James Van Riemsdyk, Sean Couturier. Couturier, yeah, yeah. These are guys that had to leave their families during sensitive times. That's why Tuka Rask left the bubble like he did, because uh, his his family needed him. And I'm going to give them a little sympathy. I think Steph had 
pointed this out too previously on BSH Radio, but like, you do have to be a little sympathetic. I know it's tough when you're a sports fan, especially of the Philadelphia Flyers, who have you know gutted us time and time again. But Mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, this is still an extraordinary time in human history where these guys, it's it's difficult for them, and I I wonder just between the conditioning stuff that you said before and maybe just basic homesickness how into it some of these guys were i i really yeah there's a lot of intangible stuff that i feel like you can make the arguments for like why they didn't ultimately win it i don't think that should be like i i guess it's not the primary excuse because everybody has the same conditions right but it's it's all part of it it's all part it's a factor it really is like to just savage some of these guys because of because they didn't win enough hockey games when, you know, they're, they're probably dealing with some shit, like, from being on the road and just, you know, m- missing everything in their lives. Like, yeah, I mean, I know they're millionaires, right? But they're, you still have to have some sympathy for the human element here. I, yeah, that was my whole thing the whole time. I, I mean, unfortunately, the Flyers kind of went out the way they did. But, uh, yeah, that was a big ask to get them all into the bubble and get them isolated from society for a while. And I know they make a kajillion dollars and everything, but it's still, like you said, a lot of these, like Drew misses kid's first birthday because he was in the bubble. And then you see all the stuff like Ryan tweeting all this, or Ryan Drew uh, tweeting all the stuff like the day of game seven about how no matter what, like the, you know, uh, mom and son are happy or like proud of everything. So like, it's a real, it's a real, that was a real issue. Like, I can see how that can definitely fuck with players. And everybody had to go through it. But, like, this, I don't know. This was a... I'm upset they lost. I'm happy there was just half hockey overall. And I'm not saying that as, like, an excuse of, like, oh, I don't care they lost. I'm just, like, I, to me, I, I can't believe this bubble shit actually got off the ground. Um, and for them, for them, for there to just be hockey to kind of take my mind off a lot of other shit, just 2020 and also just personal-wise right now, I'm... I'm I'm fine with that. So I, I'm not really gonna. I don't know. I can't really drag this team too much for <laughs> losing uh, a game seven in September uh, of a really weird, insane year. Where I think if things were normal, like again, I know everybody had to stop in March. I don't think there was a hotter team in the NHL, and it's really hard to. I do think the conditioning is part of it. And we'll see if that's true come next season. If they come out and they look flat in the, the preseason and they start lose, and they start getting him their own zone the third period of games next season, then I'll concede the conditioning point. But if we're going to, if we go in the next season and coincidentally again, it's like, Oh, these, these flyers can't figure out their opponents in the first period. But then the third period, they have like 25 of the 30 shot attempts overall in the period. Then I'm going to lean into the conditioning argument again. Cause I think that might be a real thing. Am I happy the Flyers lost? Of course not. No. Am I furious <laughs> at them for losing? Absolutely not. I, yeah. And like, I, and it's not like I'm ha- like, I, I don't feel fulfilled that they lost in the second round, but it's, it's the fucking Islanders are tough, the Lightning are tough, the Bruins are tough. I, I don't think they're going to make it through the East, especially from what we saw early on in the Montreal series. But I think all things considered, like, I think it was fine. Like, they, a lot of dudes didn't show up, and they still were one win away from reaching the Eastern Conference Final. Like, I look at it that way, where this team didn't click on a lot of aspects that they wanted to, but they still managed to find a way. And I understand a lot of it is hard, and that's, like, that's a great counter-argument. But guess what? He's part of the team, and he ain't fucking going anywhere. So, like, the whole idea And that's idea a great of, like, fucking sign, right? Like, I feel encouraged yeah, that like Carter I, Hart showed up 
on the biggest stage in sports or in uh, in hockey and like showed yeah. up like he was rock solid most and games. a lot yeah and it wasn't like he had a couple off nights but those were back to backs and there are a couple I think the first goal in game seventy one may have went back but like other than like he came to play he was the the best uh, player on the team and he was playing. If they had made the Eastern Conference final, I think he would have been hearing Conn Smythe talk. Because he was, again, I think it was Sean Tierney and um, uh, what's the other site? Uh, Evolving Hockey. Like, all these sites that keep track of goals, like expected goals and saves on, like, dangerous shots. He was uh, at the top of the charts. Like, he was one of the best goalies in terms of making saves on shots you shouldn't have been making. And he was, he, he did his part and he stood on his head and helped the team a lot. So, that alone... Should give you a lot of confidence, considering he's should be on this team for another decade. Like, I get the anger if this is Andy Reid's Eagles you're talking about. I get the anger of Sixers fans right now. Uh, oh, I yeah, Sixers fans completely. I I get the ire of Sixers fans right now, and I'd be upset too. So that that discussion Brett is Brown, different. Brett Brown paid the price and got fired, and according to a lot of Sixers fans, a long time coming. Despite the fact that Brett Brown, like classy friggin' dude. And he, he, he went, he bowed out with, you know, as much grace as you can have given the circumstances, mm-hmm. but yeah. that team had definitely had great expectations and did not achieve them. Whereas the flyers before the round Robin had pretty medium expectations. And yeah, you know, we we discussed that, but that's, it's like, if this was a team that even like, like this is akin to the, the Sabres uh, or the, the Bruins playoff sweep back in 2011 when they made the Carter Richards Prisgalov moves, right? This yeah. is like, I, I, so, not everybody is reacting like this. And I, I fully acknowledge that, but some of the reaction is like that. And it's, it's a different situation. Now th- there is, there are moves that have to be made and we'll, we're going to get into that in a minute, but it's, it's not the same situation. by any means. If this, if, if we go through two more postseasons like this, like if next year, the Flyers lose in Game 7 in the second round, and Carter Hart's clearly the best player again, and then two years from now, they get swept in the first round. This isn't the conversation we're going to be having. We're going to be... I'm going to want everybody fired. I'm going to want things shaken up. I think this team vastly underperformed in the postseason. Like, I think the skill that's on the roster did not come through in the postseason. I think... They Next looked overmatched against the down. Islanders. And they, they looked overmatched against the Canadians, who were like yeah, the 24 team they did. in the league. Like, and that's, but that's also like not the, and I think again, but so did the Penguins. Really, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the Penguins are, I mean, they are a team but the going in the wrong like, direction. Yeah. At, at least the Flyers were able to figure out things against the, the Canadians to a degree. They still they won. Really yeah. That's and what they I mean. still, they still almost won the Stamp Series against the Islanders. It's the crazy thing to me. Yeah. That's the, like, I feel like that is something that people are kind of like, part, like, the, I don't, like, Staying alive and just finding ways to win and hanging around in games is a huge aspect of playoff hockey. And you saw it with the Islanders here. Those games five and six were just the Flyers hanging around, just not losing the game, and then ultimately coming through. You don't want every game to look like that. You're not happy when the 13 games in the postseason look like that. But you need to win those games to win a series. Like, you're going to have one or two like a game like that in a series that you're going to need to win. So I look at it like, I got that part solved. I need to start seeing the more dominant series now. I need to start seeing them outright winning games to go along with winning when it's not your night. 
So, uh, and again, like if the next two seasons look more like what the hell ever this postseason is, uh, I'm not going to, don't worry, I'm not going to try to put a positive spin on it. I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to tell you things are all great and everything when Drew and Voracek and all those players are another year older and we're wasting more years of Carter Hart saving 980 in the postseason or some bullshit. So that, this season right now though, I think, some tweaks, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing some of those bigger contracts leave. And we're going to get into uh, – let's talk about the cap management right now, Stefan. Um, so we have – going into next season, Flyers have $8,967,310 in cap space. According to Cap Friendly, that is with 38 contracts out of 50 allowed. Uh, and you have 10 UFAs, 6 RFAs pending. And right now, according to Cap Friendly, you have 10 forwards, 4 defensemen, and a goalie locked up. And that's not including – Morgan Frost, David Kasha, German Rupsov, Carson Torinsky, Isaac Ratcliffe, Connor Bunneman, Mark Freeman, and Igor Zamula. So, well, um, I was going to say uh, we just go through some of the UFAs and you tell me if they should stay or go. And we'll do that with the RFAs too and everything and uh, just figure out what uh, what the roster should look like next year. The things we want out of the roster for next year. So, um, start with Tyler Pitlick. And this is going to be one that is kind of interesting off the bat after... I've already talked about speed a whole bunch and uh, getting in on the four check and disrupt thing. Because Tyler Pitlick did that. And he did that for a million dollars this year. I uh, got 20 points, eight of which were goals, 76 shots on goal, averaged 1203 ice time in 63 games, had three points in the postseason, uh, two goals and uh, two goals and 16 shots on net, 1335 average time on ice. So his ice time went up in the postseason too. So I think AV, I think AV does like him and AV should like him because he is fast. And I feel like he does a lot of the little things, which is a whole discussion that people like to throw out the term too much of. But I feel like he does do a lot of the little things you want to see in a bottom six guy. My concern is I don't know if I want to go and lock him up right now when you don't have that much cap space and you have a lot of other questions. Uh, I want to see him back. And again, I think he is fast. And I think that is what this team needs. And I want speed in the bottom six. So ideally, you would just lock them up, but I kind of hope it's a situation where the Flyers figure out some other things first and free up more cap space, and then they can just go back and give this guy a raise for it to stay for like two more years. So, what are your uh, how are you feeling about Tyler Pitlick, Stefan? I actually was shocked how much I liked uh, Tyler Pitlick's. Uh, he grew on me this week, yeah. uh, this year, <laughs> but like the liquor of Pitts, man, like he grew on me. I I did not anticipate liking him at all i thought it was kind of a dumb trade when he they traded for him and he brought you know he he was the actual like energy guy which you always wanted oh no they always, legit yeah they An always claimed zach guy. ronaldo was that guy but he's he was not <laughs> he wasn't uh yeah. tyler pitlick was actually that guy and yeah if you can get him back for like you know one one and a half maybe two at most I'm I'm into it. I, I think he was a solid bottom six guy. He's exactly what you want from a bottom six guy. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like other teams probably picked up on how effective he was. So he might there might be a market for him. I don't think it'd be I don't I don't know what the market for Tyler Pitlick would be. But like I as long as you're not gonna pay him the upgrade isn't that much, I feel like he is an ideal bottom six floor for whatever AV system is. Like he seemed to mesh pretty well. All right, so uh, Nate Thompson no, thank you. Just right off the bat. I, I just he don't know Nate Thompson. Yeah. M- made a million this year. Had one assist in seven Actually, games, I, five shots of goal. I don't know that he's gone. And I, I really wish I, want I knew. But yeah, I, I'm talking. He wins face-offs yeah. and that's it. And I, I'll be honest with you. 
don't really give a shit about face-offs. Like the 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 cumulative counting of face-offs. I don't really give a shit. Uh, like I'm sure he won key face-offs in like defensive situations that I'm I'm more interested in. But just overall winning face-offs. Like when it, I like I'm glad Giroux led the league in face-offs and he won like 75 percent or whatever the obnoxious number was. I don't. I, that doesn't move the needle for me because that's very much a thing where teams like lose face-offs at certain times to gain an advantage in the offensive zone, or times where like you can win a face-off and then it goes right to your defenseman and then you just pass it right back to somebody else on the other team in the same zone. So it's just like face-offs are very, it's a, it's a weird way to view possession when you have a lot of other numbers to view, I guess. So like, if that's all I can lean on, that's even more of an argument for me that I, I don't really want them here. And again, I'm not against defensive forwards. Uh, I'm just for more forwards that can actually drive play and keep the puck at the other end of the ice rather than watch him try and block shots and hope Gar Hart bails him out 24 seven. So, and you're right. I don't know if he's gone. I, we want him gone. I, I don't know. I'm he got nervous. a lot of ice time in the playoffs. Got a lot of ice time, and fourth line center looks to be a spot that the Flyers need to fill in. So, kind of nervous about that. Um, Derek Grant, same kind of thing. 700K this year. Five points for 13 shots on goal during the regular season in seven games. Two assists, 21 shots on goal, averaging 13-12 uh, ice time in 15 postseason games. Again, uh, same, not really. I mean, I'm kind of over it. So I forgot to look up what the deals were for these two, but they, I mean, those were ways. Those two were and the Braun too. Whatever. Yeah. Braun, but again, was, like, Braun was the second and a third, right? Second and third. And it's taking up three point mil in cap space. So uh, 2019 second, I think that was Caden Corsas that that became, who was like a pretty good defenseman. It was like a pretty good defensive prospect. And then a third in 2020. So like, again, but like, that's the thing is you can't, if we need to bring in younger guys, you can't keep throwing away draft picks. And especially, or if you're going to throw away draft picks, throw away draft picks on players that I want, that I, Craig Forsyth, want, and not like the Nate Tom. I was given, and again, this was a, during the regular season, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I was like, I question all these moves that he's done, and they've all paid off. So, may as well trust him on the Thompson and Grant issue. But, uh, yeah, that came that came back down. And then, it probably was worse movie at the Chris Stewart signing. Uh, but again... Chris Stewart, uh, 753K this year, one assist in 16 games, three points in six games with Lehigh Valley. Again, that was a mistake, but they recognized it early on. So I think that's another thing to look forward to is, although they didn't really correct that with Thompson or, or Grant, but it seemed like Chris Stewart wasn't working on the lineup, and it didn't seem like Chris Stewart was getting a lot more ice time than he should have. Right. Uh, well, and ho- Hopefully, to- yeah. Thompson and Grant was also a situation where the coaching staff was in a unique position playoff scenario and really seemed to just fall back on all the bad coaching staff habits like all the things we we really busted Hackstall for I mean I'm hoping that it's just a matter of the fact that the coaching staff was was in a tough bind given the unique situation of the bubble and the COVID situation and we're not going to know until next year and they make the playoffs but that's that's the excuse I'm giving them for this one time well and and also just the fact of like their top end guys really didn't produce. So like some of the stuff where they lean back into the low to high shots from the point thing, they couldn't beat Varlamov, so they kind of had to go back to that. And that was just a we got to figure out another way to just get greasy goals because the top guys weren't creating space and putting home their chances. So like I I think Av Av did have his moments where he looked pretty bad during this postseason. But again, kind of like the. Not really making the argument for him, but an argument can be made. Like with Haxall, Haxall never got goaltending. I, I think in Navy's defense, 
when all your top guys aren't producing, that's kind of hard to win. I mean, you show me a team that is winning with the top six struggling, the entire top six struggling to produce, and I'll, I'll show you like I'll show you some Dominic Hasek era like Sabres teams. And that's about it. So I, I get that to an extent, but he still did make a lot of terrible decisions, like never sitting Nate Thompson. So uh, Curtis Gabriel is the other forward, uh, 700K this year, nine points and 92 pims in 53 games with Lehigh Valley. I mean. AHL body, take him or leave him. But uh, I think he's a good guy uh, off the ice and in the locker room. So I'm fine with him staying around. He did try to kill Nolan Patrick in uh, 2019. But besides that, he's been fine in my book. Um, and then you look at defense. Justin Braun's got to be gone, both in terms of uh, desire for the fan base and also just I, I think he is gone. I don't know. Um, I gave him a lot of credit early on because the underlying numbers were good with Sandheim and the PK was improved. And I chalked it up to Hayes. Braun and Hart, but I think a lot of it was Hayes and Hart, and he just he he's too old and slow, and I think that was that might be Fletcher's overall worst move so far. Is that one? I think IMO. Yeah, I mean, I there's another guy. I can't say I'm confident they don't bring back. I would hope if they do bring him back, it's for a discount because almost four mil a season for somebody of his caliber. That's yeah. I'm looking That's at no cash base right it's there. It's no bueno. Yeah, and like, and also, if you're looking for a way to save or create cap space, like going from Braun as your third D right pair guy or right handed guy to Friedman, like that, you'd save money right there. And honestly, I don't think you're getting that much. I'd rather take the lumps of Friedman learning the NHL than watch Braun be and playing quicksand again. If that makes like, I'd rather take that with a pay cut. So. Uh, and then also, you know, Steve, we waited all year long. We waited on him, and we never got to see him. So uh, Andy Walensky, 750K this year. I think he's gone with those. Uh, 21 points, eight of which were goals in 42 games with Lehigh Valley. We waited on Wellesley, and uh, it looks real, looks like we're always going to be waiting on Wellesley, man. And waiting I can't, on Wellesley until I got a whole gallon of water right here. I'm going to pour some out for Wellesley's career as a flyer, and I'll clean it up later. But uh, that's, you know, that's a real shame. It's uh just wasn't meant to be. Some guy I'm happy is going to be gone. Reese Wilcox. We don't talk about him a lot, mainly because he's uh, he's bad at hockey. 675K this year, 13 points in 56 games. 58 points, 12 of which were goals in 232 HL games overall. Not the best underlying numbers. Never really showed uh, that much potential, and I think he's probably gone. Also, this year he's a Group 6 UFA, which means he is uh, 25 years or older, and he's played at least uh, three pro seasons, which means... You play 11 games or more when you're 18 or 19 or one game or more when you're 20 years old at any professional level. So he's been with the uh, with the Phantoms for a while. Uh, and it's that he usually would be restricted, but because he's been with the franchise for so long, played so many games, and he's at a certain age, the restriction falls off. And he is just he's a certain level of uh, – he's a free agent, and it's a unique situation. But he is now going to be – I think he's leaving the – I think he's gone. We'll see. I don't know. We would have to ask Maddie and Brad that, but I, I, I would assume that Wilcox is gone based on Hoberg and Zamula and other names being added to the defensive depth. So, um, already talked about Elliot, and we, I would, that would be the easy solution. And again, we want ever some of the other free agent goalies out there. Um, but I, I, I hope it's just him. That would solve a lot of headaches because I, I do want, I trust Hart, but I don't want there to be any issues of, if he hits a snag or if he gets injured and then we have to worry about the Flyers dropping like five and six because Alex Lyon can't stop a beach ball. And speaking of that, <laughs> Alex Lyon, 750K this year, 
one one and zero, eight ninety save percentage in uh, two games, nine thirteen save percentage in thirty two games with Lehigh Valley. They've really lived up to the college free hate free agent signing hype, which you know changed the record on that whole uh, thing. But yeah, he just never really, never really got it done. Uh, and I don't. Uh, he might be coming back. I don't know. But I think with Sandstrom and Ustamanko and the pipeline and Ustamanko playing a lot in the uh, ECHL this season, I think they're going to want both those guys in the AHL next year. We'll find out. But um, yeah, I think Alex Lyon is probably gone too. Start looking at the RFAs. I mean, a lot of these guys are going to be coming back. The two guys that I think are, I mean, they're gone in my opinion. One of them already is gone is Mikhail Vorobiev, which let's let's. Dunk on that guy again. Already signed with Salavat Yuliev, uh, UFA in the KHL. Two points in three games apparently already. Had three points in 20 games with the Flyers this year. Five points in 35 NHL games over the last two seasons. Was a fourth-round pick in 2015. Went 104th overall. Came in when he was drafted. There was not a lot of hype. Really worked his name up for a bit coming out of some of these training camps and did get NHL experience. But then, man, he just, he just wasn't. And an NHL player, honestly. And um, I'm fine with them moving on from him. And uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, seemed kind of lackadaisical in defense. Just kind of got lost out there sometimes. Defense, his two goals were two of the luckiest goals I think I've ever seen in my life. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. So that's uh, that's Mikhail Vorobiev. I don't have uh, you have any parting words for Vorobiev? You want to talk about him again? Yeah, there you go. And then uh, Nathan Noel, who was the... Uh, uh, I didn't even know Fletcher was a guy yeah. in the organization. I mean, that was a traded Fletcher trade TJ Brennan to Chicago and got him in return. I'm pretty sure it was just Chicago wanted Brennan. Fletcher really didn't care that much if Brennan was part of the organization and he needed to take a contract for that player. And Nathan Noel, uh, 775K this year, 17 points in 41 ECHL games, zero points in eight AHL games. So he, I'm assuming he's gone. I feel I figure he's not going to get tendered. We'll see. Maybe he keeps him around, but um, even if he is tendered, he's not going to be making a ton of money. So, other RFAs that are actually of uh, importance, I guess. NAK, 700K this year, uh, 15 points in 36 regular season games, averaging 11-17 ice time, three points in 13 game postseason games, two goals came in the Lightning uh, round robin game, so he only had one assist during the playoffs but he was playing i think he was playing with a, a broken foot i mean he blocked that one shot we never heard about it uh his ice time did go up a little bit 11 40 uh, 54 ice time he was getting third third line minutes so i think i think he is going to get i mean he's obviously going to get another deal here i don't know how much of a pay increase but he is a guy that i think you need to keep on the roster here for a while because he is fast um and he is he does. He is one of the few players that do knows him every single shift, in a positive way, and the Flyers haven't found a lot of those guys for the bottom six for years now. So I would rather just keep him around, and have him using all that speed and uh, physicality in the bottom six to keep uh, messing things up. So plus uh, he big, hits. Yeah, big fan of NAK. Uh, and and he does uh, and he actually blocks shots and shit too. But you know you don't have to lean on that to build up the narrative he's a good player he also provides offense and he knows him a lot in the offensive zone he does he does a little bit of everything uh and i I think it's really hard to not like nak's game he's a nice bottom six four checking presence for sure yeah oh yeah absolutely um robert hegg 1.15 million this year 13 points in 49 games three of which were goals averaging 15 36 ice time Three assists in 12 games, averaging 14.52 uh, ice time in the postseason. I thought it was kind of interesting. His ice time went down in the playoffs, but I guess he 
I, I think AV wasn't too confident in that third pair. And usually in the postseason, you kind of lean more in a top four anyway, so that makes sense. Um, again, he's he's coming back. I think I don't know at what cost. I would I'd not... be surprised if not only I'd be surprised if he didn't come back, and I'd be surprised if he came back for any more than two million a season. I yeah, I was gonna say it. Also, is just the idea of paying a third pair guy a, a ton of money, and um, yeah, because I, I don't want to pay Braun nearly four million to suck ass on the fourth or on the third pair too so i I would pay i wouldn't pay i would (laughs) you'd have to like to pay four million for the combination of broad and hag would be a whole thing yeah yeah no yeah and like again hag like again hag for being robert hag had a good season he just isn't the type of defenseman i really want he used to be like he's just become a defensive defenseman he can't give you anything offensively and i know he is you not know, thir- flashy in any way. Oh, and, uh, you know, not even, yeah, not flashy. And just, I also feel like he struggles in the defensive zone, too. I feel like Hag and Braun have issues getting the puck in their own zone. And I feel like there are times he struggles when he's relied upon just make simple passes in the D zone to help get the puck out. And he he does make defensive plays. I We all see the little things that the Hag hitmen that decide to tweet out every single time. He, like, skates backwards and stuff. Like, we all see that. But it's the fact that he doesn't provide anything outside of the defensive zone. And also it's not a sure bet that he's going to get the job done in the defensive zone. So I just would rather want, rather have a better defenseman overall. And again, if you could save money moving him and bringing in a guy, like if there's any way they can also add Brandon Dillon to this group to put the defense. And I know that sounds like a lot of money and a lot of talent invested in the defense when there's still questions up front, but you have a real goalie and you have no flaws on the defense you're going to win games. Uh, and it may not be exciting, but it's real hard for teams to score when they can't score more than two goals on you. We saw that with the Islanders, and I I don't know. I would not be. I would not think it's the end of the world if they try and make another move to add a defense when I want to take that as a slight on Sanheim, Myers, or Furovroff. I think uh, I'm for them adding another guy. But uh, And speaking of that, Myers, 679K this year. He's probably, I mean, they're going to have to give him money, I think. I think it's going to be real hard to just kind of tender him and not give him what he's worth. Uh, 16 points in 50 games, uh, 4 goals, 12 assists, 17.06 average time on ice, 4 points in 16 postseason games. Of course, the one goal is the overtime winner um, in Game 2 against the Islanders, and then average 20.02 average time on ice. So that was going back to the, you know, usually in the postseason, coaches lay on top 4 more. That's where that comes through. Over 20 minutes a night, I think that's, He's going to have a pretty good case to make some money now in the offseason. So a lot is going to depend on how much you're paying him. I'm and I'm all in favor of it. I, I love Phil. Myers. I, am too. I know he I, I like his game. Yeah, He can look a little raw at times and, and that's for sure. But I mean, the skill set is there. And like when him and Sanheim are really clicking on all cylinders, they are tremendous. I mean, Myers has the physical upside. He's got the offensive upside. I mean, the guy can play. I, I really yeah. like Phil Myers. No, I like Phil Myers, too. And I think he's great uh, transition play. And I think him and Sanheim as a pair. Uh, I mean, they got that lefty-righty combo. I know it's a big deal to you, Steve. And also, like you said, Myers is very physical. Uh, or he should be physical. So I think the issues I have with that pair or the reason why they struggled a lot in that second series was they just didn't they, they didn't throw their weight around a lot. And I think... I think Myers specifically is going to, that's not going to be an issue throughout his career. I mean, Sanheim, there are still questions of 
if he can really add that element to his game because the size is there, but he just doesn't doesn't seem to have that mean streak. Myers, we know, can be an asshole at times. So I'm hoping that comes to light more next season and they don't get kind of worked over on the boards as much. So, uh, And then Nolan Patrick, which is an interesting one. I think they might just... That might be a guy you have to tender because um, made 925K this year. He's missed the Flyers' last 100 games. Um, he missed the last two of 2018-19. Uh, missed, um, oh, no, no, he didn't. It's not It's not 100. I count that wrong. So it would be 70, 86 games. I assume there was an 82-game regular season. There wasn't. I thought you were the math nerd here, Craig. Uh, yeah, well, obviously I'm not. Look at that. <laughs> but he's missed, uh, missed a lot of games in a row. So he's going to miss over a whole season of Flyers hockey. And I'm not – I want him to play next year. I have no idea what he's going through. Like, I mean, I can't expect him to expedite that, expedite that or anything. I can't expect him to kind of speed up that process because I don't know what it's like. And I can't – I don't think he can really put a time frame on that. But my thing with him is if he's ready or not, uh, and if Morgan Frost isn't the guy, I just need an answer at 3C next year. Because Pajot played a role in the Islanders winning that series. And if you have Katori and Hayes locked up, I think giving yourself three lines where you're, you're pretty deep at center, I think that goes a long way in the postseason. So I, one way or another, I want them to have the, the three seed position figured out for the next postseason. Um, and yeah, that's a, uh, I mean, that's that. That's for the, uh, the UFAs and the RFAs to come back. Now we start talking about other options outside of the club about bringing them in. And uh, Steve, I want to talk about three names that I think we want all three. And we know that this city would fucking hate them in about a year. Oh, and these are all three players that like people are throwing out there now. And they're probably gonna be pissed at them about like halfway through their first or second game. These are all three players that people universally want on the flyers. Well, not universally for every guy, but uh, you know, a couple two, of uh, two of them, yeah. Two of them, like, people universally are like, oh, hell yeah. And then one of them is like, depends on on what kind of hockey you like. But if you like that kind of hockey, you're like, oh, yeah, load it up. Like, get him here. And one of those dudes, he's from here. Good old Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, uh, wow. Johnny Hockey, 58 points, 18 goals this season in 70 games. Ice time dropped from 2004 to 1847. He had 99 points last season, 36 goals in 82 games. Two 30-goal seasons to his credit, two 20-goal seasons to his credit, 445 points in 464 games. Uh, yeah, nearly had a 100-point season, 84 points in 17-18, 78 points in 79 games back in 15-16. Uh, when he was on the ice, the Flames did a lot better job of getting to the slot and creating chances from the slot. He is an offensive force and a defensive liability, which is the reason why fans would turn on him in about a season. Uh, he would bring a I lot give it of game half break. a season. Uh, yeah, no, they probably turn him before that. Yeah, uh, because uh, you know, game breaking offensive talent with a lot of defensive flaws. It sounds like somebody else currently on the roster that everybody fucking loved in 2015 16, and then now they just hate. So I think Gaudreau run into a lot of same issues where he would bring the like the the system breakers guy that I, I'm talking about, like a Barzell or Braden Point or like guys that. It doesn't matter what defense throw at them. They're just going to control the puck around the offensive zone and find the passing lane or a shot on net to create havoc. I think Johnny Cadreau could do that, but there are he. I think he would be a liability defensively in his own zone. But again, if he's going to be on the top line, 
Drew Katoria Vor- uh, Gaudreau. <laughs> I almost said Vorchek oh, there too, but Drew Katoria Gaudreau. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a sexy fucking line. But that line would fuck. And it's a lot of speed. Have, the, pro- the problem there is that you have two smaller wingers, right? So if you run into yeah. like the Boston Bruins, they're just like taking guys, picking them up, twirling them, and throwing them into the stands. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And that's legal when you play the Bruins because they let that kind of stuff go. But that is that is true too. And that's the only reason why he would get buried is because he's like three foot six. So the size would instantly be the focal point for the blue collar Philly fans that already. And again, he is a goal. You're going to need to be Danny Briere, who Danny Briere had to prove himself before. Danny, Danny Briere still got dragged. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he had to prove himself and he had to specifically prove himself in the playoffs. And Danny Briere having a monster 2010 playoffs was really the main thing that, that made him a fan favorite in Philadelphia. Yeah. And Gaudreau really hasn't had that, I guess, breakthrough moment in the postseason yet, or hasn't had like a dominant, like the Flames haven't had deep postseason runs where he can kind of highlight how much he's he's played. But I think he is the exact type of guy the Flyers need. Um, not a pure goal scorer, who we'll talk about in a second, but he's a guy that can just create offense in any situation. I think he would have been a guy you would have leaned on more in these series, like the under series where they play tight defense and there's not a lot of ways you can work around them. I think his speed and his ability to hold onto the puck and kind of be crafty in the offensive zone. I think that would have created a lot more chances and kind of freed up more guys. By the way, real quick, going to the speed aspect, uh, Braden point, the first goal, like a minute and a half in the last night's game, he just walked around Ryan Pulak. Like, just took the puck to the outside and then cut across right behind him and dunked it. And that's the kind of... The Flyers just don't have that speed. And I think they need some guy like that, like a Goudreau, because they currently don't have that top-end, one of the best talents in the league type of guy. He used to be I Drew, still can't believe but he is older, the, but yeah. I still can't believe the fucking discount the Lightning got for Braden Point. Like, that is just disgusting to I, me. Yeah, it's amazing what they're able to... And that oh my god that game last night was hilarious. I I couldn't watch it because there's something going on with the feed and I wasn't the only one. But like it was the NBCSN feed was terrible. It looked like I was trying to legally stream with dial up, and I was I was watching on, I was watching cable. So it was just an absolutely I don't know what that was. But Kucherov had one of the best like touch passes I think I've ever seen in my life in the neutral zone. That was a ridiculous. If you guys aren't familiar, team. Braden Braden Point makes 6.75 million a season and he's just Worth a monster of it. he is just absolutely he he is uh, he might be underrated to an extent he really is pretty fucking good um and like but they and they can throw kucherov and him out there on the ice at the same time so i don't really care what a defensive system looks like that's that's a hard time <laughs> stopping that each of them had five points in that game <laughs> yeah and this is this is how the lightning look without Steven Stamkos. Yeah, this is, and that's, and again, that not every game is going to look like that. I think the Islanders were kind of tired, and I kind of questioned the decision to go with Kreiss the day after you'd had to travel, and Bar- you do have the option of throwing Varlamov out there. Very easy the Monday morning quarterback that decision now, but I think we're, the the Lightning are going to have a series this game. I think they win one two nothing, but it's going to be because they just suffocate the. Donners offensively like they're just living in the offensive zone keeping the puck at the other end of the ice and they're gonna out shoot him like 40 to 15 or some bullshit so and then you'll see all the people freaking out like why can't the flyers do this and then you know without I mean, the lightning out. have been as we discussed before the they've been knocking on the door stacked on offense for years now for years and they're pretty stacked on defense now and they got a goalie so it's like 
the thing is, they they're constructed to win now. They are constructed to win now. Where the Flyers are constructed to, they're the Flyers are very middle of the road construction right now, above average construction. I will call them. The Lightning are stacked to win now. And I want to point out because this, I I know how this would lay out or go out, but um, Lightning choked in 2015. They had a two one cup advantage in the cup. 2016, they were up three to two on the Lightning or uh, three to two on the Penguins, I believe, uh, and fucked that up. Or they were up two to one. They were up in that series at some point. They fucked it up. Uh, then they had uh, issues in 2017 with injuries. 2018, they were up on the Capitals three to two in the Eastern Conference Finals. Fuck that up. Last year I had the biggest choke job in the history of the NHL. If those teams played in Philly, how long would you hear be patient? This core is great and amazing. To to the point you could actually get to this season when people are freaking the fuck out after this postseason. Like that you can't get to the lightning if you want to blow up the team every single year. And the lightning have had a bunch of false startups. Like last year, there's no way that team could have had that playoff collapse last year in Philly without Flyers fans storming the fucking Wells Fargo Center wanting a piece of Fletcher telling him he's got to trade everybody on the face of the earth. Oh, like it would you have can't... been a bloodbath. Like, yeah, uh, like you there's know, no... Slam and they... Sammy would have been showing up with all those great investigative journalism questions. <laughs> but it's just Kate funny. Smith, but, you know, it's... Yeah. It's just funny because, like, people were like, oh, well, look at the lightning. It's like, yeah, they also had to take a bunch of lumps to get to this point. So the Flyers, even though they're going to be competitive, they're still going to take... You've, we have to get back into the painful postseason losses now. We're can not we used also, to it. Can we also take a moment to point out that the Lightning have an unfair state advantage in that they can draw taxes, guys to yeah. the trash hole state of Florida? And I say that with all <laughs> loving respect and admiration for Florida, where every weird story <laughs> happens. But they're all Florida. Florida, you don't have to pay income tax, so. They have a built-in advantage of the fact that if you sign with a Florida team, your money goes further. So Tampa Bay, on top of, you know, having been stacked for a few years now, they can also sign their guys and have their and give them the pitch that their money goes further in Florida. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a very true advantage that they have. And that's why the Panthers should be should be better. But I mean I think some you know, sometimes the thing with the Panthers is just a lot of their teammates are in all are playing with Barkov because they don't understand how he's so underrated. And also because Dale Town just isn't he, he wasn't a good uh, GM there for a while. But now his racist ass is out and maybe you can uh, piece something together there with uh, Bill Zito. So but the yeah, the Lightning have been doing it for years and that's then they're still able to keep the teams together and that's they're probably gonna sell one piece this off they're gonna trade like Kalorn this off season and then everything will be a okay, because why not? Um, but I want to, th- and two other names that are apparently out there on the trade block. And I know the bigger name that people will probably jump to as Flyers fans that I know they would hate in a year is Patrick Line. Patrick oh, Line is man. kind of, yeah, he is kind of the player the Flyers need. Dude just shoots scores. Like that's, that's all he literally, all he does is score goals. And that's what this fan base has been bitching and moaning about. It's just guys that will literally score goals. But you're going to see how much you don't want it then. That's really because a lot of people are going to complain about his lack of defensive liability. Doesn't do anything else. All he does is score goals. Doesn't win the puck battles. Yada, yada, yada. All this stuff. But he is a guy that is nothing but goals. Um, and this was a down year for him. Uh, 63 points. He had 28 goals, 35 assists in 65 games. It's the first year in his career, four seasons, he has not had a Cy Young season. So he's finally had more assists than goals. All three of his other seasons, he had more goals than assists. That's that's not that's like not a thing. So 
He had one 40 goal season. He had 44 goals in 17-18. Also had two other 30 I was I was very, by the way, like very baffled here. I'm like, what? Yeah, no, but like it's a that's a term I've heard about Darren Rowell, but like he just has more goals and assists. And it usually means like he's getting set up a lot and he's not really doing much to generate his own chances, which again, if he had that ability to shoot, like if he's got that shot and he's able to get open. It makes sense if you're putting up 44 goals that you're not going to get as many assists when you shoot first. You shoot first, but again, literally all goals, all goals. That's all the he does. The only way you can get away with just being a goal scorer on the Philadelphia Flyers is there's two ways. It's the same thing as being a small player like Danny Breer, where you just come through in these like big clutch moments and people it embeds, you know, it worms its way into people's brains and they go, "Well, that guy's clutch. That guy's clutch," yeah. or you go the Wayne Simmons route and you beat the shit out of people when you're not scoring goals. So yeah. if you fight yeah. and score goals, people will love you. Or oh, if yeah. you score goals at key moments, people will love you. But if you score a ton of goals, but not at key moments, kind of like line A, that is... It's going to be, yeah. That is definitely a recipe for disaster with this this fan base. And he does not drive play. He His underlying number is not great. Uh, he is a defensive liability. Uh, but more often than not, and he gets a lot of goals in the power play, uh, and that would help solve that issue. But when you look at where he's producing a lot and throwing a lot of shots on net on the power play, it's the top left, top left part of the circle, which is where Drew usually operates. So if he were to come here, you're either putting him on a side he doesn't usually play, or you're putting Drew on the right side of the power play formation, which deservedly drives us all nuts because that's not where he's most optimal. So like. And Line A and Gaudreau, they're going to take a little bit of... It's going to be some packages to get them. It's, you're looking at at least the... I think you're looking at first-round pick, two roster players, high-end prospect, at least. And those oh, yeah. roster players... like I'm, When I'm saying roster players, I'm thinking, like, connect me and, like, something else. Like, maybe a Farabee. Like, yeah. Not and connect me and Farabee, just prospects. to make that clear, but like, well, no, you might but... be talking like maybe a Farabee and a Lawton or something. or No, no, I mean, like, you could do first connect me Farabee. Like, that would check off the box. Well, I wouldn't do that shit. Prospect. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't either. But I'm saying, like, this is, if you guys want a goal scorer, and you the goal scoring is a big issue, and you just want somebody that will score goals, this is what you have to do. You can't, I think you got to take think... the, you got to give the take, so... There's I think Line be... A, you might not have as high of a price as you might have like two years ago because I do think his reputation's been a little bit tarnished. Yeah, Gaudreau, I think it's still going to take a monster package because he is a They've star been... in Calgary, and to be a star in a market like Calgary is fucking impressive. And they've the thing with Calgary is they've been. I was trying to point this out at the beginning of this season. They have like this weird. They they're one of the teams where their market is so weird when it comes to the fetish for like physicality. So, like, because Gaudreau is in a big Milan Lucic type and they were blowing guys like Milan Lucic, like, he is, for some reason, just kind of hated by some of the market, like, some of the writers of that team because he doesn't do enough and he's not physical Lucic. enough. Like, yeah, like, they like those types of guys. And, but I don't know. I. Uh, it's also worth noting that either one of those options, you're going to be talking about pay raises, right? Like, Big cap oh, yeah. hits because both of those guys are making six, seven, five right now. Now, Goudreau, you wouldn't have to pay him until 2022, 23 because he signed through 21, 22. Uh, Line A is only signed for one additional season at that. So if if you trade for Line A and Line A puts up a 
30 to 40 goal season, he's going to be asking for a nice payday. And do you really want to give a big contract to a guy? And if you, it's very much like the Philly situation with JT Real Muto right now, where they traded some very good assets like Sixto Sanchez to get JT Real Muto, the best catcher in baseball. And it's very much looking right now like Real Muto is going to go to free agency and get a huge payday. And the Phillies, they might have signed Bryce Harper, but they're still not known as a a an organization that loves to just spread their cash around so i never get in baseball i never get that it makes no sense to me makes no sense yeah i mean unless you're the orioles because they don't have (laughs) but like a big like a big market like philly you said they just got like the comcast deal didn't they or not just but like well i mean yeah yeah, a few years back they got they got money they can they can afford it they can do it deal with a freaking luxury tax instead of a hard cap and it's it drives me insane that they're probably not going to sign jt real muto back and that makes that trade because they're probably not going to win the world series this year that makes that trade look terrible uh and i love jt and i i want them to sign him desperately uh so the thing is if you you trade for a line a and then you have one year you don't win the cup and he moves on and you give up a bunch of assets to get him. That's a, a shitty looking trade. Uh, yeah. And it's this it's will be the time to get him. This will like, be the time this... to get him to get in there and, and get him like on a long term extension. But I don't know if I want that guy on a long term extension because I love we his did. goal scoring, but he doesn't do anything else. It's literally just goal scoring. So like, and again, scoring 40, 45 goals a year, I'll take just the goal scoring, but. In this city, if he's going to have a 28-goal season after he's built up that way, he's going to be in every hypothetical trade from that day until the day he retires. So, and it's whether or not you really want just a pure goal scorer, but, like, putting him on the power play, that would probably solve the power play. And the Flyers need a pure goal scorer because, I mean, Konechny is that guy, but he didn't really throw up a ton of goals in the postseason. And, or, I mean, he didn't throw up any in the postseason. But he also didn't throw up that many in the regular season either. But we can see the that's kind of the downfall. Guys are just known for scoring. Like that, you well, need to connect and score goals JBR in the postseason. you end up on the third, fourth yeah. line. And yeah. If he's not scoring goals, what else is he doing? And we, yeah. we're, we're seeing this exact scenario. J- I mean, yeah, JVR when you is a lesser me, version of line A. We were texting about this earlier today about Gaudreau and Line A, and I'm just like, oh, Giroux and JVR too, basically. Yeah. Obviously, Line A scores a, a more prolific rate than JVR, and Gaudreau has been you know, more superstar-esque in his first couple years than necessarily uh, Giroux. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, Giroux was up there. But yeah, yeah Giroux was up there, there for and, a while. Yeah. yeah. That might be unfair to, to Claude, who uh, you know, I, I love dearly. But it's... um. Yeah. He's got a bigger reputation, right, as like a name brand right now, star, yeah, yeah, yeah. and however unfair that is to Claude, which we have discussed at length, that it is very unfair. Oh, to Claude. I'm talking. But, I'm sorry. I was talking about like early in his career. I felt like Drew was probably up there, regarded as like a like Gaudreau feels like a top ten player. Like at one point, time younger in his career, Drew was definitely up there as like a top ten player. Maybe yeah, not now, but, but I mean, like, Drew. Yeah. Either way, like these are right, right, these right. are risky guys. That I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it's not like again, Wayne Simmons gets traded to the Flyers. That is a guy you instantly know is going to be a killer flyer. He is going to fit right in and be beloved by the fan base, and he was. But you look at Gaudreau and Line A. The hometown feels only get you so much with Gaudreau and Line A. We're seeing this exact scenario with JVR right now when it doesn't work out with a goal scorer. Yeah, and I do want to, like, Line 8 does have a more reliable 
thing to fall back on in turn. Like JVR, there's really he's a goal he's a guy that only scores goals, but there's really no consistent way he puts the puck home. Like Line A has a ridiculous shot. And he's dangerous using that shot from anywhere on the ice. And I think he is a power play asset. So like there are more built in ways for him to produce, but like twenty eight goals this year. And again it was a shortened season. He probably does break thirty in a regular year, but not 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 quite forty. Um so uh, but and the other guy from another name that I I think might interest me the most in terms of just looking forward and what I think the Flyers need and I think he checks off a lot of boxes of what the Flyers need Nikolai Ehlers I've loved that dude for years go get that fucking guy he's one of the fastest skaters in the league he's a shoot first guy and he would go Drew Katoria Ehlers would annihilate anybody and I think he would solve a lot of the issues that drive me crazy and again. I see that one. I see that one as way more of a slam dunk than the other two, to be honest, because it's going to cost like, less. Right, yeah, he yeah. brings you more speed and not not necessarily more speed than Gaudreau, but I think he's a better all around player. I yeah, I could yeah, I could see that. Uh, like, and I think I, I just Ailer is just his NN speed and just his ability to. I just like Ehlers a lot, and I think it would it would probably cost you less than Line A and Gaudreau, I think, unless I'm vastly misinterpreting what the market is for Line A and Gaudreau. I, I honestly really don't know what the feel is on Line A, because you're right. Like it, it feels like his values kind of dropped off the last couple seasons because they, I mean, they unceremoniously lost again this postseason, um, and they kind of went out in flames last year against the Blues, and, I mean, it looked a lot worse at the time than we found out because the Blues ended up being not a bad team in 2019. But there are a lot of questions around him and the rest of the team, like the core of offensive forwards for the Jets last year. So now you're looking at two disappointing seasons, and I can understand how they would want to move on from that. Also because the Jets just have a lot of money locked up in those forwards that really can't drive play, and they don't have a defense now, and Connor Hellybuck can't keep... Like, Connor Hellybuck can't carry that team throughout the entire West. Like, they need more options there. So, I get the idea that I'm trying to get out from a couple of these contracts, I guess. But, Ehlers, I mean, that was a name I didn't really think about. Didn't put it on the outline. But, I, I saw that name getting tossed around on Twitter earlier today. So, Ehlers, big fan of Ehlers. I mean, because I, and again, I think going back to, I always bitch and moan about how I want to be on this team. And then I really wasn't complaining about this year because it seemed like they had gotten faster, which I think was conditioning again. But, Give me all those quick guys. Give me the Ailers. Actually, I was talking about, uh, that's the next point I want to talk about is speed because there's some internal options they can bring up that I think are quicker guys. Like Morgan Frost is, Morgan Frost is a weird one because he is faster and I think he skates really well, but he also plays his best when he's slowing things down, which I think is kind of like a, kind of like a, you can explain Johnny Gaudreau in that way where Johnny Gaudreau kind of sizes up chances in the offensive zone and kind of like, Craftly like works around people rather than just pure straight line speed, I guess. But like Frost is, I think, faster than a bunch of guys on the roster right now. David Kasha, if you're going to put him on the fourth line, I would like that speed. And also Connor Bunneman. I think Connor Bunneman, that's not a sexy name right now, but he did, this was his first year in the league. And he is a guy that kind of came out of the middle of nowhere. And Maddie talked before the start of this season, which almost went a year. Um, which is still kind of crazy to think. But, like, back at the training camp in 2019, uh, talking about how Connor Brennan was making strides in terms of skating and conditioning and actually starting to 
compete for a roster spot, and he did that, and he had a good camp. So I'm hoping Connor Bunneman's a surprise when it comes to a prospect because he didn't. He had a big uh, scoring season with the, the Kitchener Rangers, where he had 30 goals, but like he, not really known for point production, but he is a guy that I think can fill that role as providing speed for the bottom six. Uh, and you have a lot of contracts already locked up. Like I, I put the lines here pretty hastily uh, for like for a Steve Drew, Katoria Voracek, Limblom, Hayes, Konechny feels like what the top six should be next year. Oh yeah. And then you have JVR, Lawton, Raffle, Farabee, NAK in the bottom six, and I'm leaving a spot open for the fourth line center, which could easily be Morgan Frost. That's why I was starting out the idea of Frost as three C, Lawton as four C, because fourth line of Farabee, Lawton, NAK, I'm, it's, that sounds good to me. Um, yeah. And again, I don't know if you would make all that work, but that. This, this pretty is good a team, and I, I this is one of the things I do like about Cluck, Chuck Fletcher, is I I think he does fully realize that this is a team that should be looking for these internal options in these situations. I mm-hmm. really hope that if they do bring a Grant or a Thompson back, it's as the extra forward, the press box guy, eating the flyer shaped pretzels. You know, yeah, <laughs> you want to make people happy. You know, the the Kasha money millionaires want to see their guy out there jesus christ all right <laughs> keep going not a, just keep going we're not talking about that <laughs> not gonna acknowledge the cash of money million. cash of money baby yeah keep going. <laughs> uh but no seriously like straight the, cash the internal out. options are such a big part of this team of what ron hextall was laying down there and this team isn't going to succeed unless they are utilizing the talent that is already in the system yeah, and I think that's, you know, I wasn't too confident in the uh, decision to hire Fletcher last year, but he does seem to be the guy that isn't going to just ship away these prospects for nothing, and he is going to give them a look and a chance. And honestly, a better, he's going to give them better looks than fucking Hextall and Hextall were going to give them. And he also seems, not impatient, but he also seems to realize when things aren't working. And again, looking at this postseason, I'm sure there's some things he wants to do, and he might be... I think he is going to address a lot of the issues the Flyers may have had after this postseason. So a lot of, going through some of the free agents, I didn't really go through all the teams to figure out guys that I'd like their speed and I think they want to add. I looked at Cat Friendly's UFA list real quick. Other names besides Pitlick, which again is kind of a weird spot and like I have a weird feeling about because I want speed, I want him in the bottom six, but I want to figure out some other things with the cap space first. Uh, Tyler Ennis, and I think is another name Matt brought up when I, I brought up speed in the slack. Tyler Ennis. 37 points, 16 of which were goals in 70 games this season. 800 cap hit, 800k cap hit, small and quick. Uh, put him on the fourth line. Uh, like Farabee, Lawton, Ennis would be a pretty good fourth line IMO. Um, and that's exactly the type of guy I'm looking for. And I feel like you put him in a situation where he has to go in on the four check. Uh, he's got enough speed to disrupt the things on the four check. I, I feel like he would be a pretty good fit. Uh, Derek Broussard, we saw what he can do just now, the last couple weeks. And again, he had a pretty shitty stint with the Penguins. But before that, he was a pretty desirable name, I thought. Like, I thought he was a forward that I thought the Penguins were getting a steal for him. A lot of people talked about the Flyers potentially acquiring him. Yeah, so like, I I would be about that. He had 10 goals, 32 points in 66 games this year, 1.2 million cap hit again. But it it is worth remembering that Broussard was... In the press box before when did did Trotz bring him in about game three? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was not winning a position against uh, Ross Johnson. Yeah, that's not exactly the greatest sign. But 
I feel like that can be utilized as a he's having a pretty good postseason now, and uh, 1.2 million maybe doesn't ask for that much of a raise if he can point out like, hey, Ross Johnston beat you in a battle for the lineup spot. So, but I mean that'd be another guy that's quick. Connor Sheary, I mean, might be weird bringing him in, but he is a fast dude, fast little guy. Uh, <laughs> 23 points, 10 goals uh, in 63 games, three million dollar cap hit. That's got to change. Um, no, but that's maybe, good. yeah, but I mean maybe. Uh, Maybe he has a tough market. Shout his name with an Irish brogue every time. Connor Sherry. I am the Connor Sherry scores again. That's something you're looking for in a hockey player. I mean, that's, that's what, what I usually look for. Yeah. So, it's all about be the name. Perfect... <laughs> it's all about name shoutability for me. Okay, Oski Ball. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. Actually, he'd be the perfect uh, Irish jersey name, uh, Connor O'Sherry. I mean, they're not missing a beat with that. I'm surprised his name just is, isn't O'Sherry to start with. So. Uh, a name I've for some reason brought up a gajillion times, but I'm not really that in love with him, but he's fast uh, and would be a bottom six guy. Matt Nieto, 28 points, eight goals in uh, 70 games last year, 1.975 mil cap hit. Uh, Matias Janmark is another one, and so is Josh Levo. Again, those guys maybe not like the quickest guys in the league, but I think they're quicker than what the Flyers have now, and I think they're putting up the same amount of points as some of the guys in the bottom six, like Pitlick. Guys like that, and I, I think speed is an issue because we saw when every, all things are even in terms of, you know, game planning, conditioning, and everything. The Flyers weren't as fast as the Canadians and Islanders, and they're not as fast as the Lightning. Like there are a bunch of teams the Flyers are behind near the top of the Eastern Conference in terms of speed. Uh, so I, I think that is something you need to address, and those are just some names that threw out there. Well, Craig, it says uh, the the sage, the wise poet. Gavin Rossdale says, speed kills coming down a mountain. It's true. That's usually the main thing I think of, is what you just said. Because I totally... Yep. You, think, that, you think of a less popular Bush song. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. So that's... Yep. So we don't, we don't need to discuss that any further. Because we're all in agreement with what you just said. So. Uh, but speed? Answer at 3C. And then I was throwing out an actual defensive defenseman that is not not leaning back and letting the opponents throw pucks at him, but actually suppresses shots and is able to push play up ice and does a pretty good job of blocking shots still and kind of taking away defensive chances. And the big name I saw in free agency was Brendan Dillon. And I know, I know adding to the defense is maybe not the first thing people are thinking of, but I like if we're unsure of Niskanen, and I wasn't really a big fan of the third pair, and it seems like Sandheim and Myers will be better next year. You bring in another name for that defense, and you really sure up the defense. So you might have one of the best defenses in the league in front of Carter Hart. It's another way to win games. Uh, so I'm just throwing it out there. And again, this is a lot to kind of just throw out there with not a ton of cap space. And a lot of people to bring back that probably deserve raises. So this is all... We're gonna have, we have four months to figure this out because it sounds like they're not playing again until January. So we'll, we have some time to iron this all out. Yeah, but just to add on to the defensive front, like you also have the factors of Braun either isn't coming back or is coming back at a discount because he's not that good. And I, I think you need an upgrade over Braun. And the fact that Shane Gostaspare really has not won the favor of the coaching staff or anybody really at this point and needs a fresh start. So he's also a potential trade target. So it's, those are big factors when you're looking at free agency and, and potential moves. Yeah. And like, 
Yeah, I mean, because it comes down to how they, how they handle I imagine they're going to keep Hag, and I feel like they're going to look into trading. I, I feel like Fletcher's going to look into some cap-saving moves. So, Ghost might be on the way out, and I think he's going to I think he's gonna kick the tires on a Voracek. At the very least, a JVR deal. I mean, he's got to be looking at JVR deals. I don't know who, what GM wouldn't be at this moment in time. But, like, Voracek, I know he had a better than... He had a better postseason than some of the other players in the top six, but he still didn't give you the the value in terms of money. And I, there were some games where Voracek was not getting as much ice time as Thompson, like through the second period and stuff. But, and, like people were, I think Alex Alvear was pointing that out on Twitter. So like again, if AV doesn't feel very confident doing that, then that might be something you have to look at. Um. So yeah, that's where I'm coming from. I want. Maybe another big name on defense, but a guy that is more known for shot suppression and actually taking away offensive chances rather than... Like, I have people throwing Matt Dumba at me as a possible option, and I like Matt Dumba. and he, That fucker can score goals, and I love to watch him play offense, but he's not really the type of guy I have in mind because I like Sanheim and Myers, but, and they can produce offense pretty well, but their issue is not really tightening things up in the D zone, so... Get, get Dumbo on the team, but if, like, Ghost isn't getting nice time, I'd worry about Dumbo and yada, yada, yada. So, Steve, do you have any what, – what are your uh, – do you have any big desires you want to see acquired or taken off this roster going into the next season? Is there anything uh, – anything you felt like the team was really lacking uh, after this postseason? I personally go back and forth on the goal-scoring presence because JVR was signed for that role, but obviously isn't being put into the position. And just looking at who's up there right now, like, I do wonder, like, I would love to see, like, Oscar Lindblom from the first, like, whatever that stretch was where he was just on fire. Yeah, before he, yeah, he was. If he could consistently produce that, and be your goal scoring because I love Lindblom in the top six and getting a ton of ice time. I think he's fantastic, but I mean, I like all the guys in the top six. I just don't know if you have a real threat to the other team offensively. Like you have a lot of great players, but I don't know if there's one guy that makes me like profusely sweat on the other team. offensively. And there's, and the thing is, is like depth stars. Don't have that guy either. I know Dennis Gurionov's going off, but he's not the guy that going into the postseason. Everybody's like, all right, you know, they got Dennis Gurianoff. Like, he's having, he's a really good young player, and him and Rupe Hintz are a big part of what the Stars are doing. And they had those well, bigger the names. Thing. Like, the Flyers were very successful with not necessarily having, like, the big in your face name for most of the season. So, that and really I'll, was where the Flyers' success came from for most of the season. And I feel like you can still win like that because the Stars are doing it. So, I don't know if you necessarily need to go get a Line A type, but. The depth still has to produce. Like they, you can't have four of the six guys you're relying on to produce those twenty twenty five goals to just evaporate in the postseason. Like you literally did not get a goal from Konechny, your leading goal scorer. It's it's hard, it's hard to lean into the depth idea when a lot of the depth pieces didn't show up. So that would be the one argument for going out and getting a pure goal scorer. But again, there's nothing that ensures that that guy's going to show up in the postseason either. So. Uh, but yeah, I think yeah the JVR one. I mean, it's uh, he wasn't put in situations to win, but also like I feel like he just didn't do a ton to kind of prove that he. I don't know. Like this year, I just I, I kind of get the argument of him not showing up when the team needed it, or him kind of playing a game where he just kind of swings to the outside and doesn't really drive to the net that much. Um, and again, I think he's built. 
he's got the frame of a guy that should be able to play the Wayne Simmons, Andres Lee type that can kind of just operate and work underneath the hoop in front of the net. But he, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see if he can do it next season slash if he can do it somewhere else, it feels like. We shall see. We shall we see. We shall see. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think just maybe just hopefully hopefully Nolan Patrick comes back and that just answers a ton that was of these a lot questions because if Nolan Patrick's central in for your third C, that that makes all the difference in the world. But I think if yeah. you're Chuck Fletcher, you have to go ahead and kind of plan not anticipating him coming back. That's a whole other story. I really like getting defensive help in there, though, getting an upgrade over Ryan Braun. I, I think that would be a huge yeah. difference maker for this team. Ryan Braun. You love Ryan Braun on this podcast. Man. <laughs> Justin Slow. Braun's never done steroids. And then blame it on his, like, uh, you know. It's just, just slow defensemen, man. They they just stick out in today's NHL so bad. And I don't know if he just looked better with the conditioning that you mentioned in the regular season or what, but I never noticed him in the regular season like I noticed him in the playoffs. He was getting burnt constantly. Yeah. I was saying you said Brian Braun again. You know that? Oh, my God. It's just like, <laughs> that's I, I like, not that's good. Good. Yeah, I don't know why. Like... I know. I do know why. Because yeah, it's the only other Braun. Two famous yeah. guys with this name. And, <laughs> One of them we have the lesser known one, significantly more famous than the other one. God yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but no, no, no. Right? I mean, uh, yeah. He, Justin he's, Braun. Just he's in a problem. Braun. He is. He's just not. And that's kind of Heg's not as slow, but I just would rather have quicker. Guy. I mean, that'd be the one. Freeman's not exactly fleet of, fleet of foot, but I feel like he's quicker than he's quicker than Braun. I also just want to see what Freeman's about. So if they end up just going with the cap saving option of just letting Braun walk and plopping in Freeman at third right, you know, on the right right side on the third pair, I think I'll be fine with that. But um Which they might have to. Yeah, they might have to. Yeah, again, I think you're gonna have to figure out ways to uh based on the cap, you might be bringing back the same exact team with uh changes or new faces in Pit Lakes or Braun's role and I don't think I don't know if they're good enough to win it all. And I think we're gonna have to start you're going to have to start making moves now because they're out of the rebuilding, collecting prospects phase. This is now the phase you can see see how this team can win. And I think you have to start adding pieces and figuring out you're going to start making some tough calls now. Um, and uh, yeah, speaking of tough calls, oh, this is a pretty good segue. The only other thing I wanted to talk about on this episode of the flight, uh, this version of the flight, was uh, the tough call of who should win this year's Masterton Trophy. And uh, the league chose uh, Bobby Ryan. So not Oscar uh, Limblom after he uh, won his battle with cancer or Stephen Johns, who had some pretty dark times when it came to concussions and uh, depression issues. But uh, Bobby Ryan, who, again, I mean, all three of these guys, this year the trophy was kind of, I feel like it kind of worked against what the idea of the trophy was because you're kind of picking out which, which battle was the most impressive to overcome, but all three of these battles that these guys overcame were—I mean, there's no—it's it, all impressive. Uh, they all overcame some serious life shit, and Bobby Ryan, especially, like he—he's been battling alcoholism uh, for a couple years now, and for a while now, and he made his situation public, and then missed a good chunk of the season, came back, scored a hat trick in his first game in Ottawa afterwards, and he—I mean, alcoholism is a whole. That guy's life, uh, alcoholism has played a role because it was a whole thing with when he was younger. Apparently, his dad went to a drunken rage and like nearly 
beat his mom to death one night, and then it was a whole thing that kind of dictated his entire life. Like, they had to move to Canada, and then they had to move to California. It was a whole thing. So he's he's gone through a lot in his life. And well, that's why he goes by Bobby Ryan, right? Like Yeah, it was... Exactly. Yeah, it was... I forget his father's what, surname anymore, I believe, is the, the yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah, and he... It was... Uh, I mean... So... You can't knock him for, I mean, again. It's, I mean, the the problem with the Masterton as it, it currently is, is it's just, it, again, it's not a problem necessarily, but it's it's very difficult to award a, a, a trophy for overcoming tragedy to one guy over the other when everybody, yeah. like, we went through the list, and it, of the 31 NHL teams, there were probably 20 legitimate people that you could award this to. This year it was insane. Like the feel for this is insane. Usually it's like one guy that did what one of these three did, like overcome a huge just obstacle in life. And then some dude that overcame like breaking his leg the year before, and then some guy that is just notoriously known for being bad at hockey and had one good season. They're like, ah, well, he stuck it out and here's here. But like this year it was literally just three you have to be impressed by what they've done to overcome their like uh, problems. And then you had to figure out which one is the most... Like, this year, I just felt like it was not what the trophy is really about. It was just kind of like a... There are too many of these stories going on at once. That's why I thought they may have done a thing, like, just give made it a tie. Because, like... I feel like you just need to give out a bunch of these at this point. Yeah, like, just, I... Yeah, because... Uh, like, like, recognize people that have uh, overcome uh, really just terrible hardships like this. And I, I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised when I saw that, that Ryan won it. Uh, that Bobby Ryan had won it. I, I was surprised, but it's like, you're not like shocked or anything like that because like, I, I really thought that it was going to go to Lindblom, but it's not. I did too. Again, it's, it doesn't really feel like it should be about winning something here. No, exactly. Uh, because like, it's just, it, it puts everything in an awkward position, frankly, uh, making it, it's not a competition, but awarding one trophy for this makes it awkward for people. Yeah, Oscar Lindblom is not a loser for overcoming cancer and then playing a game in the same, almost the same year, almost it's the same calendar. It's a phenomenal story. And it's an amazing story. Like yeah, guys. like they're all, like, and Stephen Johns apparently was like, had mornings where he'd wake up and he was like starting to like mentally pencil in like suicide letters. So like to get from that place to just getting back in the league is, I mean, like all three, yeah, all three stories are ridiculous and I... Nobody really lost. I mean, they're all... It, it's it's just... It, this year was just a weird... It was a tough one to hand out, I guess. I, I feel like it's one that might need to be reworked just because... It, just given how it's nominated and everything, like, it's just awkward to me, at least, to, to give it to one oh, yeah. person and nothing to the others. Like, it, you really need to recognize multiple people for, for overcoming the things they have. And, yeah. uh, I mean... But that said, I mean... What a story for Bobby Ryan. I mean, to, to yeah. overcome alcoholism like that and come back and, and get that hat trick was uh, an awesome sight. And just, it's, you know, local boy Rob, Bobby Ryan, right? Cherry Hill's yeah. Bobby Ryan. Cherry Hill, New Jersey native Bobby Ryan from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's, a little, it's a hell of a story. It really is. And, uh, a big, yeah. Congrats to Bobby Ryan for that in all seriousness because it is, it, it's really... Alcoholism ruins lives and uh, to to do what he's done really takes a lot of uh, willpower and effort and just, it's tough. Well, it's tough. Yeah. And it's a thing too, where he, 
he and the Senators could have kept that very private. Uh, and that could have, like, he may have not won this award because he could have just kept it to himself. But for him to make it public, it is a thing that, you know, going back to the whole platform thing. He's got a platform. Uh, he made his issue public. He showed how he was going to battle it. And then he overcame it. And now people that watch the Senators, that watch hockey, can point to that and say, well, he had to go through the same thing. You know, you're not alone in it. You can you can battle it. So I I think that is I think that is worth something worth noting here, considering the whole situation. Like he could have kept that very, he could have kept that issue very internal. There are probably other guys in the league that are probably battling drug habits or alcoholism, but for him to shed some light on it, I think that does good for the general public. That's my stance. And that is uh, I mean that's it for that's that's all we got for this one. For this yeah, episode so, of those this is a unique perbs. We're doing two perbs this week, right? Because there's <laughs> yes. like so this isn't a yeah. forecast. Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick programming note. We just wanted to do a a full hockey dedicated roundup to the season today. Uh, bid the fire. I almost called this the Flyers farewell instead of the Flyers forecast, but I decided <laughs> to just go with a plain old fly purpley. But we wanted to just dedicate this to the Flyers season, talk about it because there was so much to talk about. Obviously looking at this hour and a half plus runtime for this episode. Uh, oh, yeah. And then just do our usual perbs later this week. And believe me, we got plenty to talk about because Kurt sent us a note earlier today about that Smash Mouth concert that we talked about, oh, the motorcycle rally, and how many COVID cases it's caused, and it is absurd. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about other goofy shit. Get back to it, but we want to talk the lowdown hockey for a full, dedicated episode. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, just wrapping up now. Uh, and I, I mean, I'll tell you, uh, now... I'm going to probably write an article about what we just talked about, about adding speed to the lineup. And I was going to look at this free agent options a little closer and also see if there are some guys that might be on the outs with their clubs, see if there are ways to kind of improve the overall team speed like that. And also might do that for the defensive defenseman argument as well. Uh, And then from here until the draft, I'm going to try and do some draft profiles. I don't know. uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to start doing that. And Craig, I believe the the NHL announced when the draft will be earlier today, right? I believe, yeah, I think it's the sixth and seventh. I think I saw. I I wrote it down, but I, I don't have it on me right now. So a little less than, or about a month away now. So uh, I'll be doing that, and then I might go back and start doing some uh, reviewing like prospect seasons, which I did a couple years ago. And now that I have an actual computer again, I'm able to do. So go back and look at like the seasons that Isaac Ratcliffe had. Zamula, Cam York, Bobby Brink. If I'm able to find the highlights and the stats on like where they took shots and everything, I'm going to go back and do that for these players. And then uh, that's, I mean, that's that's what I'll be working on. Yeah, right. I assume we'll be doing player reviews as well, so I'll probably chip in with those. And that's uh, that's what I got. That's what I got coming up. Sounds good. Uh, NHL draft scheduled for October 6th, 7th, and free agency starts on October 9th per the NHL. So uh, we will be talking all that uh-huh. stuff in the lead up to free agency and the draft. And of course, we'll be talking about the NHL playoffs. As they go on and laughing at the Islanders getting smoked by the lightning. We'll see. It, you know, <laughs> never know what'll happen, but uh, it's, a, it's a long series. It was a bad I start mean, for the was, Islanders. Yeah. Bad start. But then again, the Knights didn't have the best start. And now the Knights are up three, nothing on the stars. So there you go. 
There you go. Yeah, so uh, it can easily change. And uh, the Islanders were at a disadvantage, I guess, because of the travel thing and uh, not have a rest off, uh, which... Weird decision, so. real quick, on the NHL's part to just have... I don't know why they didn't just have the Eastern Conference Final in Toronto and then they traveled to Edmonton. That seemed, like, weird to me, but whatever. Yeah, I guess maybe they didn't want it to be a thing where one team was at a disadvantage of having to travel right before the Stanley Cup Final. Oh, so know. for the Eastern rather, Conference Final, it's totally fine. Well, I mean, the, yeah, I think I'd rather take the dis- It's kind of bullshitty. I'd take the disadvantage of, on this series in the Cup, though. I don't know. Like, it's, it's a weird... It's, it's I get bullshitty. it. Yeah, all right. Fair. Yeah. Jeez, all right. Good. I, Good all right, all right. I take it personally. Let's get the fuck out of here. We're done. I'm done talking. Oh to my you god! Oh, I talked to you two days. Local <laughs> podcaster throws. He's upset. Craig's upset. I'm upset. Coach is upset. I gotta get off this All podcast right. and cry. So let's hurry this up. <laughs> I'm offended. My feelings Folks, are hurt. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad, and he's got all that stuff. He just yeah, I already told you a minute you. ago. Yeah. All right, nice. You can reach me <laughs> at Estebaum. Or if I purposely a real good vibe. <laughs> I gotta get going, man. I gotta get going. This is running yeah. long. Uh, you can reach me at SD Bomber Fly Purbly for hockey needs make it fly purbly. Uh, follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, and make note, you know, we're still gonna be podcasting a bunch. Maybe not as much for a couple months, but definitely at the bare minimum weekly. So uh, you know, oh, yeah. you're gonna get your podcast fixes. Definitely. Yeah, we're still gonna be here every week. So uh I don't know. We'll we'll figure out when we start doing two again. And I don't know if uh, we'll, we might do some fucks sprinkled in there every once in a while. Uh, but I mean, yeah, if the season's not gonna start until January, there's gonna be a it's gonna be a little bit of downtime here. But we'll we'll figure some stuff out. We'll figure we'll some, get stuff some, out uh, some tangy tent. Yeah, two this week at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So get look ready for the 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 next perp on Thursday. Maybe longer. I don't know. Football's on Thursday, so we'll see. <laughs> Craig, is, <laughs> Craig, Craig made it. We were planning out this week, and Craig was like very serious, like I got to be done before that football game. I was like, Big I want to watch some fucking football. Yeah, there's a yeah, exactly. I like uh, just love Mahomes. You know, I I, I want to see Andy Reid do it again. That's what I'm rooting for. I know everybody in Philly is a big fan of uh, Andy Reid winning the Super Bowl, so I want to I want to get back to seeing him go Tell back to back here. <laughs> all right, all uh, you cash yeah. up money millionaires. Until next okay, time. I'm done. Yeah. I'm not gonna end it in deep Andy Revoice, but thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Making the shitty Wear a damn mask, wash your damn hands, <laughs> and until next time, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't. All those hockey guys, these are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!